Some time ago, the um, Chicago Tribune uh, magazine uh, conducted an interview with uh, an actor, Kyle Chandler. Any of you know who Kyle is? He was the star of um, Early Edition and of Friday Night Lights on television. He was, uh, he's been in a number of major motion pictures. But in this interview, uh, they asked him to, uh, a number of, of these fill-in-the-blank questions, and he was asked to fill in this particular statement. I'd give anything to meet blank. Chandler answered it by saying, I'd give anything to meet God Almighty. I'd like to share my favorite meal with him, and I'd let him do all the talking. Now, you can't study the Bible for very long without noticing that as far as God is concerned, the feeling's mutual. That arrangement that Chandler envisioned is one that psychs God up to. Matthew's gospel tells us, for example, that when John, uh, the baptizer, and Jesus were standing in the river Jordan on the day of Jesus' baptism, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What? Listen to him. God's saying, in effect, if you you really want to know me, if you want to find the way of life in all of its fullness, listen to my son. Listen to Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus himself uh, claims that uh, role in a very significant way. Uh, Jesus reiterates the idea. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone. Listen to me, everyone, and understand. Don't just hear the words. Take in the words. Understand. Let the words that I'm speaking to you work on you. Bring forth something fresh in you. Listen to me, everyone, and understand. The repeated message of the Bible This is the first big idea I'm trying to lay out tonight, is that God wants to talk to people, okay? He doesn't want to just be worshipped. He doesn't want to just be mentioned in conversation. God wants to talk to people. One of his most oft-repeated commandments, the one we're looking at tonight, is listen to me. Listen to me. So how does this work? I mean, sounds good, but um, he's probably not going to show up at the dinner table, right? Um, we're going to have a little refreshment outside after tonight. Um, he, he may not physically be there. Well, I guess he will be through his body, the church. But, but Jesus himself won't literally in one bodily form be sitting at the table with you talking in your direction so so how how is it that you listen to him well if god were an ordinary person we'd have absolutely no trouble figuring that out would we because we know how people talk in a way that enables us to listen my wife amy for example communicates with me in a variety of ways that enable me to hear. Sometimes Amy speaks with written words, right? Sometimes she does it in writing. I'll come down in the morning and there'll be a note on the counter. 
or, or I'll come in at the end of the day and there'll be, uh, there'll be a text on the phone. Uh, she communicates with me in written words because she wants me to understand something that's in her heart. She tells me what she's up to. She communicates how she's feeling. She tells me what she would like me to be doing for her or for our family. She does this in written words in many cases. Other times, Amy talks to me through actions. She makes a lovely dinner that communicates to me how much she cares for our family. She's had a hard work day herself. She comes home. She puts on a beautiful spread. It's an act of love, a gift to the family. Or she decorates a room in some beautiful way because she's expressing that creative gift that she has. She loves beauty and wants us to enjoy it with her. Or she models a behavior that I probably should be doing more with the kids myself. And seeing her do it calls up something in me that moves me in a different way. She communicates, talks through actions. Oftentimes, Amy communicates with me in spoken words. Okay, the most familiar form of human communication. She says, I love it when you do this, or I'd like you to do that, or I wish you'd stop doing that. Uh, She's good with the words, my wife. And there are also times when Amy talks with me in silence. I know that may sound uh, paradoxical, but some of you know how this works. There are times when there's a powerful communication that goes on. In, in silence. We're just sitting together or we're out driving in the car on some road trip or we're uh, working alongside of one another at some task and there is this comfortable silence or this really awkward silence or this really painful silence that communicates something. There are no words, but I can still feel her pleasure or I can sense her upset or I can feel at other times her peacefulness. You know how this works, right? Raise your hand if these forms of communication are known to you. Okay. We are way ahead of the game right now, just based on the poll we just took. Because with God, it's the same way. Okay? There's like not a whole other different plan for communication with God than what he has already allowed us to experience in our other relationships. In fact, he designed all relationships, and so there's a consistent pattern to these things. And because God is a personal being, his mode of communication will be very much like we have with other persons. So let me think with you about how that works. Oftentimes, God speaks with us through written words. We call them what? The Bibles, the scriptures, right? God speaks to us. This is a long note that he plops right on the kitchen counter for us, right? Uh, That tells us how he feels, what he cares about, what he wants to see us do, uh, what's going on with him. These are his written words. He wants you to, to know what he thinks about this subject or what he wants done in relationship to that issue or what he's asking his particular family members to be doing more. Other times, God talks with us through actions, right? He, he decorates the world with this staggering beauty that communicates something about his nature to us, that he loves beauty, that he's a designer by nature, that, he's, that he loves complexity and multiplicity and diversity and color in life. He could have made everything gray. It would have been easy to make everything gray, but he chooses this vast splash and array of color 
that tells us something about his nature. Or, or, or Jesus models compassion for the poor in practical action, right? We see that again and again. Jesus doing things that show us God's care for the poor. Or, or we see Jesus resisting temptation. And by watching his actions, we hear the message, you're supposed to do likewise, right? Do as I do, you're supposed to do likewise. Sometimes God communicates to us in, in dramatic actions. I know no more action more dramatic than, than that of the cross itself, where God communicates in one amazing act the, the magnificent expanse of his love for us and the horrible agony of our sin that separates us from him. And then God communicates to us in spoken words. I'm going to say a little bit more about that in just a moment. But the key idea is that it isn't just through mouthpieces like preachers, though that's one of the ways that he's speaking in spoken words. It's not just through, through, through the voice of prophets. And you probably have a few in your life who tell you the hard truth sometimes or challenge you or encourage you in important ways. They are God speaking to you in spoken words. But God also sometimes speaks spoken words directly into the minds of people, of his followers. And as we'll see, it is always to the extent that we respond to what he says that the voice keeps coming. And then there are also those times when God speaks to us in silence. There are moments when there's nothing visual or auditory going on in any sense, but we feel the comfortable silence of his presence with us, and we know somehow we're not alone. We're not alone in what we're going through. Or we feel the awkward silence that begs us to make a change because we know there's something going on between us and him or that we're doing that affects him that needs altering. Or we, we feel the pregnant silence of waiting for God to bring forth something that is new or is needed. In all of these ways, God's talking to you. The question for most of us is, are we listening? Are we listening in a way that enables us to hear the talking? I've sat with this question in my own life, and it seems to me that there are two things about me, maybe about you too, that often stop me from hearing God more frequently or more fully. The first of them is really well illustrated in a story from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. I want to invite you to listen to the Word of God with me. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and that's true of us, right? We're always on the way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You understand? They had to be. Martha knew. They just had to be. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? In other words, I haven't heard from you, Jesus. I've been slaving in this kitchen. I've been working away. Not a word coming my way here. Don't you care that my sister, who you are talking to apparently, has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha. Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. One thing, if you did this first, (laughs) would help with all the rest. Mary has chosen what is better. All this other stuff, good. All the stuff you're doing, Good, but Mary over here has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. I'm not going to elevate busyness above being with me. I suspect that one of the major reasons why you and I don't hear from God more frequently or fully is because we're a lot like Martha in many seasons of our life. We are distracted, right? I mean, we've got so much that we're attending to. We've got so much preparation that we're convinced just has to be made, right? I know, this is me. This is like me in the pages of the Bible here. We get so busy doing that we have so little time for being, for actually being with God, with others, even with ourselves. We've got this idea that doing is more important than being, and it is not the better way. In George Bernard Shaw's play, St. Joan, Joan of Arc is always hearing from God. And and her Martha-like king is really bugged by this, Oh, your voices, he says. Oh, your voices. Why don't your voices come to me? I'm the king, not you. Oh, but they, they do come, Joan says. But you do not hear them. You've not sat in the field in the evening listening for them. And when the angelus rings, you, you cross yourself, all right, but <laughs> then you're done with it. You're moving on. But if you prayed from your heart, she says, and if you listen to the trilling of the bells 
in the air after they stopped ringing, you would hear the voices as well as I do. Marilyn McIntyre writes that the church's long history of contemplative practice seems to suggest that there is some knowledge of God that can only come in stillness. Hear that part again. There is some knowledge of God that can only come in stillness, in silence, large and long and intentional enough to open a sacred space for the Holy One to enter in. Do you have it in your life? Do you have this this gift in your life? Is it large and long and intentional enough for you to personally read the Word of God, to personally contemplate His actions in history and in the world, to listen for His message, or to simply sense His presence with you in the silence? Don't you see how much you need it? Don't you see how much your soul hungers and thirsts after communion with its source? When and where in this week ahead can you allow yourself permission to walk into some sacred space and just sit there? All the distractions and the endless doings of our lives keep us from hearing God. Really, that's just the reality. It's getting harder. It was easier in a rural agrarian world. It's harder today. But it's not our only challenge. The second and last block that I want to touch on tonight to hearing God is disobedience to him when he's spoken. Distraction blocks us, and disobedience, when he has spoken, keeps us from hearing more of him. Erwin McManus, who's a pastor down in L.A., tells the story of an encounter between him and his, his son Aaron. He says that Aaron was just five or six years old when he began asking, what does God's voice sound like, Dad? What does his voice sound like? And I didn't know how to answer, McManus writes. But a few years later, Aaron went off to his first junior high retreat with our church youth group. And in the middle of the week, says McManus, I went on up to visit him and the other kids there. And I learned when I got there that Aaron had assaulted another kid over something I don't know. And he was completely unrepentant about it. He did not want to say he was sorry. He felt he had been wronged. But he'd been held back from it by his friends from really pummeling the kid. He was unrepentant. He wanted to leave camp. He pulled together his stuff. He shoved it into the car. 
And I asked him for just a few moments to talk before we left. This is how McManus puts it. We sat on two large rocks in the middle of the woods. Aaron, I asked, is there any voice inside you telling you what you should do? Yes, he nodded. What's the voice telling you? The father asks. That I should stay and work it out. Can you identify that voice, son? Yes, said Aaron. It's God. It was the moment I'd waited for, writes McManus. I said, Aaron, do you realize what just happened? You heard God's voice. I mean, he spoke to you from within your soul. Forget everything else that's happened. This is a big day. God spoke to you, and you were able to recognize him. McManus goes on, I I will never forget Aaron's dug-in response. Well, I'm still not doing what God said. The boy replied. And I explained to him that that was his choice, but that choices have consequences and that this is what would happen if he made that choice. If he rejected the voice of God coming from deep within him and chose to disobey his guidance, his heart, in a tiny way, would become hardened. And his ears, in a little way, would become dull. And if he continued on this path, that hardness would increase, and that dullness, dullness would increase, and there would be a day when he would never again be able to hear the voice of God in just the same way. In fact, there might, if he continued in that path, come a day when he would deny that God even speaks or has ever even spoken to him. But if you treasure... If you treasure God's voice, however it comes to you, said McManus, through the scriptures, through your conscience, and if you respond to him with your obedience when he speaks, then your heart will be softened and your ears will be able always to hear the whisper of God in your soul. What a gift. Aaron chose to stay, his father gratefully concludes. If he had chosen differently, writes McManus, he would have begun the path toward nominal discipleship. It's a well-traveled road. Perhaps he would never have rejected the faith overtly, He might have even chosen to be a faithful attender at a church someplace and been, by everybody else's estimation, a pretty good guy. But he would no longer be a close 
Jesus follower. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. They know me and I know them and they follow me. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. For whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him, will go away. What has Jesus been saying to you? What have been the whispers in your soul? Are you obeying his call? Are you giving him reason to give you more wisdom and power by your response? Or are you giving him reason to provide less? To put it in the simplest possible terms as we close tonight, I'm thinking that some of us need to be more like Yoda. Raise your hand if you remember him from the Star Wars movies. If you have no idea who I'm talking about, you need to get out more to the movies. (laughs) Yoda looked like an 800-year-old Kermit the Frog, and he sounded pretty much like him too. But there were some very beautiful things about him. Yoda, first of all, had these unusually short legs. Remember that, how really short they were? Remarkably good legs, however, for stopping and sitting, which he did a lot, if you remember. And secondly, he had these exceptionally long ears, which I gather were remarkably good for listening when other people were busy yammering or caught up in distractions. And the result was that Yoda had this really amazing gift. Yoda could hear the great voice at the core of the universe. He was filled with that voice's wisdom and power. He was given clarity to see what was going on around him, what was in the hearts of others, what the needs of the moment were, and the power to actually step out and do those things when it was needed. The force was strong with Yoda. Really strong. And God's desire is to really be strong in you and me too. So let's shorten our legs this week. Let's, um, let's not think so much about how much faster and further we can stride. Let's shorten them down and, and focus more on where we're going to stop and where we're going to sit down and enjoy some of that sacred space in the week ahead. And then let's lengthen our ears too. Let's set aside the distractions. Let's turn off the device. Let's Really listen to me, says Jesus. 
Obey what I tell you. Follow me. And you will find that you too will be choosing the better way. May it be so. And may God be with you. Amen.